Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome Welcome to Spark London. London. We tell true stories. We tell them live. And we tell them every month at the Canal Café Theatre. This story was originally told by David Dunnell in December 2009. <clears throat> good evening, everybody. It's, uh, it's uh, really good to be back in a slightly strange, masochistic kind of way. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, is, it is good to be back. <laughs> um... The story I'm going to tell you is, uh, is called Lost and Found. And basically, it's, it's about something that happened when I was 13 years old. I grew up in Rhodesia, uh, which then became Zimbabwe after the uh, War for Independence in 1980. It's still of Karabash. It's about there. So up and left of the naval on Africa. They won't get that on the radio, but anyway, that's all right. Um, yeah, basically, my grandfather moved to Africa um, to work for the British South African Railway Company, where he worked for 30 years. And my father grew up and became a commercial cattle farmer in Zimbabwe. And the farm that I grew up on was one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. It was this big, huge, rugged, expansive Mashonaland bush. Um, and I feel very, very privileged to have been lucky enough to grow up there. A, lo- a lot of the men and women that we had working on that farm uh, were the most amazing people I've ever encountered. One of them in particular, um, which this story is about. It's about three things. It's about uh, a lost cow, a lost penknife, and a man called George, who worked on the farm. His name was George Murambwa, and he was third in command on my father's farm. And basically, George, he couldn't speak very well. He had a very bad stutter, was very shy, um, didn't have many social graces. He was also very, very overweight, and he was Matabili, whereas most of the workers were Shona. So... That really singled him out. But the biggest stigma that George suffered was that he couldn't have children. He and his wife were barren. Now, in, in Africa, it's a very, very big thing. The ability to have children and procreate is you know, a major deal. And the fact that he couldn't do that meant he came to all kinds of grief with the workers. Um, my dad, who really, really liked and appreciated George, took him to all the hospitals in Harare. He went for every kind of test, him and his wife. George also took his wife to see all the witch doctors and nangas. Um, they prescribed just about everything to kind of smoke and rub and chant into every orifice. Um, nothing, nothing really worked, unfortunately. Ironically, George was the most amazing human being I've ever seen with animals, and especially at birthing a calf. There was no one else that could actually calm an animal down like he could. He also could look at a pregnant heifer and tell literally within minutes when she would go into labour, whether it would be a difficult birth, 
and knew exactly what to do. It was really uncanny. And sometimes if a, if a heifer was having problems or having a difficult labor, he would be able to calm the animal down. He'd sort of sing songs in Metabir, like little lullabies, and they would absolutely almost go into a trance. It was really something amazing to behold, and I've, I've never forgotten it. Also, at that time, um, my father was the first farmer in sub-Saharan Africa to start doing artificial insemination on cattle. And basically, this meant importing sort of super potent, high-quality pedigree bull semen, um, which came in big vats of frozen liquid nitrogen, <laughs> which would be uh, inserted into the heifers by a big three-foot delivery rod. It's, it's a lot of fun. Everyone yeah, should try it. Um, anyway, and, and George, because of his amazing animal husbandry skills, w was chosen to be the one to, to do this. And, and this irony was definitely not lost on any of our farm workers. <laughs> and George he's, he used to suffer a, a lot of kind of fairly scathing remarks. Some of the ones I, I remember were, uh, which uh, literally translated means, hey George, why don't you shove that ice lolly up your own ass? Maybe you won't shoot blanks anymore. <laughs> uh, there are also other comments like, uh, Hey George, which means, hey George, if you're giving it away to all the cows, you know, there's nothing left for your wife. <coughs> so these are a few things that poor George had to, had to contend with. Anyway, he became quite depressed. I think he also realized that the cows themselves, in spite of his efforts, actually preferred it au naturel anyway. Uh, he was very in tune with animals, that's it. Anyway, that year, which was um, not long after my 13th birthday, the rains in Zimbabwe came early, sort of late November. Um, and it was the most powerful rainfall they'd, they'd had sort of on, on record. Um, just torrents of water coming out of the sky, absolutely horrendous flooding. And I remember in the middle of the night, uh, it was a school night, um, we had a phone call about 2 o'clock in the morning saying that someone had cut some of the fences on our farm, we thought it was probably poachers, and that one of the heifers was still missing. Anyway, we went out there, and sure enough, it was the heifer that it was a surprise heifer who was heavily in calf and expected to give birth pretty much any moment. So we searched the whole farm after about two hours, about three o'clock in the morning. We finally found her. She'd fallen down a 20-foot hole. Um, so we shine a spotlight down there, and what we see is this, this cow flailing in this bubbling, rising water, covered in very old, kind of fraying, camouflage netting. This was very, very bad news, because what that actually meant was the hole was not actually a hole. It was an old ammunition dump from the war. There's a lot of these pockets of arms which had been left, left around, so she'd fallen down one of these. Now someone had to go down and um, fit a harness so we could, we could lift her out. Now my dad, he'd taken a fall from his motorbike, so he had pins in his legs, he couldn't do it. And he said even if he was in perfect health, there's no way he would have gone down there anyway. You know, half a ton of sort of flailing cow, kicking around, you know, maybe old landmines and hand grenades and God knows what else. So, you know, very dangerous. And there's only one person that immediately volunteered, without question, you know, straight away, and that was George. Um, and he went up in the other farm workers' estimation tenfold immediately. Anyway, so we, uh, we fitted a big tripod over the hole, put a big block and tackle on, lowered George down. Anyway, so he was half naked, in the pelting rain. You couldn't see a thing. It was like you know, thunderclaps going off all over the place. And all he was armed with was a harness and my dad's Swiss Army knife. Now, <clears throat> a little word about this knife. Um, it was one of the original Swiss Army Victorinox General's knives. Um, it had an incredibly sharp blade, which I actually have a few scars on my body to show you. Not here. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, the, 
Swiss Army knives, in particular, are really prized possessions in Africa. You know, a lot of Africa, they're, they're fascinating tools and incredibly useful. Um, I've gone through probably about half a dozen. They're fantastically good for bribing, getting across borders, getting out of scrapes of traffic, please. Um, so for George to have you know, my grandfather's knife in his hand, for him, it, it meant very good luck. Anyway, these next 45 minutes, um, I will never forget as long as I live. You know, I remember seeing George going down into this hole, um, disappearing. It looked like a big kind of bubbling cesspit. And the cow, every, you know, her eyes were actually completely rolled back in her head, so all you could see were the whites. And every time the thunder kicked, you know, she would absolutely kick and spasm. So one misplaced kick and George would have been a goner. Anyway, somehow he got down there, he cut away the netting, managed to put the harness on completely underneath the cow, and we started lifting the cow up. About halfway up, about maybe 10 foot up the hole, the cow went into labor. And also with the pressure of the harness, the calf actually turned, and you know, George obviously saw the hooves kind of move in the abdomen. So we had to lower her straight back down. Now, George managed to deliver that calf right there in that hole. And this would have been a very difficult birth in normal circumstances. Never mind the fact that he was completely blind, he was underwater, you know, and it was the middle of the night. Anyway, um, and watching him break the surface, you know, kind of covered in shit, administering mouth-to-nostril resuscitation on a one-minute-old calf, and then hearing its first bleat, it really was, you know, amazing, absolutely sensational. Also, the cow was black because it was artificial inseminated. It had this beautiful white calf. It's very biblical. Anyway, <laughs> the cow was a bit confused too. Anyway, <laughs> anyway my father immediately uh, gave George a huge pay rise, made him the foreman of the farm, and also bought him his very own Swiss Army knife. But best of all for George was a month later, his wife, Petronella, became pregnant, which was uh, amazing. Anyway, as far as I know, at that time, um, my father and I, I think were, we were the, amongst very few, maybe the only white people to have been invited to a Matabili birthing ceremony. Um, it's a huge honor, and the ceremony lasts three days. So three days off school was fine by me. It's great. <laughs> anyway. We went there. Um, I won't go into to all the details because it would take far too long. Um, but it was uh, certainly an, a very eye-opening experience. We, uh, we danced fertility dances, rain dances, spirit dances, anything you name, we danced it. Um, we also ate a thing called Mutumbo Nerelish, which basically is this kind of big African broth which consists of every part of an animal you don't want to think about. Uh, delivers bouts of truly mythical flatulence on Europeans, <laughs> as, as I discovered. Anyway, I also drank a thing called cachaça, which is uh, made up of, amongst other things, it's an sort of alcoholic brew of yeast, paint thinners, a bit of battery acid, and they often put a snake or a rodent in as well, just to give it flavor. So that's, that's something you should try on your next holiday to Zimbabwe. Um, anyway, uh, this <clears throat> the ceremony ended, quite literally, with a huge climax. Everyone was ushered into the main kraal, um, and there was Petronella, you know, George's wife, Legacy Kimbo, and a much, much cheering and ulation, she shot her child out into the world. <laughs> Again, a very eye-opening experience for a 13-year-old boy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, several things happened after that. I got very, very drunk. Um, and I, w I was offered a, a, a tiny little sliver of very spiced meat, which was absolutely wonderful. It was a little, a little banana leaf. I ate that. And then I, I went back to um, Moya, who was George's cousin. I said, Moya, can I have another piece? He said, ah, very sorry, Dave. Uh, There's not much. He said, yeah, this one eats, eats the placenta. <laughs> so, very nice. <laughs> yeah, so you, you get one sliver each. That's the way it goes. Anyway, uh, um, the only other thing that happened was my, my dad lost somewhere during the, uh, the partying and the drinking of Cachasso, he lost his Swiss Army knife. Um, it was a horrible thing to think that, you know, 
he put it down somewhere and someone might have nicked it, but it had just disappeared, which is a real shame. Anyway, many, many years later, long after my, my dad gave up the lease on that farm, a company called Glynn's Bolts, who, funnily enough, makes and manufactured bolts, uh, they overtook the farm and they, they put a big workshop over the area where the old kraal used to be. And they imported from great expense from South Africa a big electromagnet on a mobile track um, to pick up any little iron filings or shavings of metal that had fallen off during the bolt-making process. Anyway, I wasn't there, but my father was, because he knew the guy that used to ran the place, um, to see the inaugural turning on of this huge magnet. Anyway, they turned it on, and there was this almighty cracking sound, and the whole floor exploded upwards. And you're lucky no one was actually standing, they were all standing back. And basically, no one had gone around with a metal detector beforehand before they put the floor on to check there was nothing underneath. So every ball bearing, every spring, every little tractor part that had been dropped and ground down to the floor of that kraal came shooting up took the whole floor with it. Anyway, they turned this thing off, and all this metal rained back down on the floor. And my dad, and a, a very good friend of ours, next to an old tractor spring, they saw something, and it was a Swiss Army knife. It was a bit battered, rusty, but the engraving was still legible, and it said, uh, to Harry, for 30 years loyal service with the British South Africa Rail Company. If you take part in next month's show, or to hear more, head to sparklondon.com. Spark London is produced by Joanna Yates. Audio production by Matt Hill at rethinkdaily.co.uk. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.